0: Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. So this is the pre-message. In your outline, a physical outline, it says zero because we normally start at one, but we're not starting the first message today. That'll be done by by Pastor Vanessa next Sunday, and then for six Sundays after that, she will be ministering the Word. I'm just doing the pre-message, and... uh, and it's kind of, as we said, to sort of crack things open. Um, for some of you, you have heard uh, these teachings before. It'll be a reminder. Uh, I always need to be reminded of these things, because one minute you are, you're pumping and you're functioning, and if, if it's not constantly stirred up, it can wane. So it's good to be reminded. For some of you, this will be entirely new teaching. Uh, you haven't heard this before. It is not a truth that is generally taught across the whole church world. Uh, yet it should be, and it needs to be. So the authority of of the believer uh, and that's the title of the of the campaign it's all that also the title of the message it is a classic truth that has been taught so well in the early days of the Word of faith teachers. And uh, we have had uh, people like Kenneth Hagen and Charles Caps and various others teach these wonderful truths and other aspects of it. And when Pastor This and I got saved, we came up in this, and it's changed our lives. It's marked our lives, and we've never been the same again. Um, and uh, in fact, Charles Caps has written a book called "Authority in Three Worlds," and I had a quick look online. It is actually available as a PDF book uh, for free online. Uh, for those of you that want to read that, I mean, it's just fantastic, wonderful truths. Um, so God had given these men uh, and these women uh, the revelation of the believer's authority to teach the body of Christ. About our God-given dominion that we have in Christ, and here is the, the 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 key: it's in Christ; it's not outside of Christ; it's in Christ. And at its core, the authority of the believer means what the title says, namely that as believers we have authority. All right, and one thing that I've found out over the years: it doesn't take long to get around somebody and listen to them speak. Uh, And uh, people very soon give themselves away in regards to whether they understand these truths or whether they're always sort of under the circumstances. You know, how are you going? Oh, not too bad under the circumstances. And uh, once we learn the authority of the believer, we, we, we dominate the circumstances and we get above these things. Uh, and I know that that sounds like an out there statement, but that's what God intends for us. He does not want us to be under. He wants us to be over. He wants us to be uh, ruling and reigning in life. Um, So we have authority. Uh, We're not beggars, as we've sung the songs this morning. We're not beggars uh, no more. We're not serfs and we're not slaves, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And God has vested tremendous authority in us as the church and as individual believers. And I was just mindful that in the last three years, with everything that's gone on, uh, we have, some of us have exercised our authority stronger than what we have in the past. And we prayed such bold prayers and we prayed into situations. uh, including in, you know, what we might call the corridors of power. We prayed into that. We prayed into the lives of people uh, that are there who are so-called our leaders and politicians and others. And, you know, when there was a major resignation, I was not surprised at all. It's just wonder, I was just wondering why it's taken so long, you know. So it's just like we prayed into that, and we are still praying into that because we have got authority. All right. And when the greater part of the church sort of bowed down to this whole COVID nonsense, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like an interesting thing. The Bible says that God's made us the head and not the tail. And we, we, should have, we should have been the head, and we should have just dominated this whole deal so that it hasn't turned out like it's turned out. But, you know, when churches bow down and become the tail, then anything goes. Uh, but, friends, we're in charge. We're the spiritual authority. And I was just mindful we had a group of ministers come together here on Friday, and our wonderful teams have you know put uh, some catering on, and we had the tech team there and everything to to be able to you know address the group of ministers that come together. this is the first meeting for the year. Uh, we normally meet once a month. In this instance, we had the deputy mayor there and one of the city councillors. And I was just speaking to, the, to, the, to encourage the troops, if you like. And I was looking back over some of my notes that when I have addressed the group in the early 2019. And uh, on the notes there, it's, it, it, I was kind of encouraging the guys to say, come on, let's rise up and let's do this. And I said, we are headed into strong times. We are headed into strong times. Well, come the end of 2019, what happened? Strong times began to happen. It's when strong times happen, the strong need to arise and to dominate the times and not allow certain things to happen. Uh, and so, one of the reasons why we are we are we are focusing authority of the believer in this year's 40-day campaign is because that is so needed at this point in time. You know, last year we did faith, the year before we did prayer. Every year, in the beginning of the year, it helps us to kind of regather after the holidays and refocus and then to hit the ground running. We call it full immersion. All right, so we got six Sunday messages. We got six, seven small group gatherings. We got daily devotions and confessions, and it lifts every single one of us into an entirely new place in God's. It's also a spiritual growth um, kind of campaign that will help people to grow spiritually. So if you haven't already decided to get on board, get on board quickly and uh, let's do this thing together. The definition of the word authority saying we are speaking about authority of the believer. We know what a believer is. That's a born-again person. That's a believer. Uh, And... uh, But the word authority, uh, authority is the right and the privilege to operate at an elevated position or rank. All right. Um, The Bible says that we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. But then he wants to raise us up. And he wants to put us into a position where we can rule and reign, where we can dominate and bring God's values and God's principles into situation. Of course, that's only one aspect of uh, the authority of the believer. Um, And, you know, having authority means that we are authorized to rule within a delegated sphere or space. God has delegated certain places and spaces for us to rule in. Um, also, the word authority means dominion. If you read in, in the Word of God in the King James Version, uh, sometimes instead of using the word authority, it uses the word dominion. Um, and we get the word dominate from the word dominion. You know, somebody said once, uh, and I didn't make this up, but somebody said that the word kingdom, it basically means that the kingdom is a is a. Is a land, there's an area. The kingdom is the king's domain, all right? And, uh, and God's given us a kingdom, and God's given us a domain. Um, and in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, I want to start out here in the Scriptures. Uh, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So, we are sons. And this word sons is not spoken of in terms of gender, but it's spoken of in terms of sons that are the mature sons of God who know how to take their place and their position in the earth and who know how to rule and reign in life, who know how to be the spiritual police force in the earth. You know, the Bible says that heaven has received Christ, and he will be there until his enemies are made his footstool, and then he will return. And there are still a few enemies running around that have yet to be made uh, Christ's footstool. And that's what we're here to do. Uh, All right, so... uh, he says you 're no longer a slave. you see a slave is the lowest in rank and position, but a son has high rank and high position. Now we call ourselves servants of God, and so we are, but we serve out of our sonship, not of our out of a mentality of a slave or a hired servant. We are sons, and if we understand Jewish Households and the way that they were organized, there was a, uh, an authority structure within all of that. Uh, and the sons had authority, all right? Uh, so we need to understand that. Uh, furthermore, we are heirs of God through Christ, and we're also joint heirs together with Christ. So, you know, it's like there is a deal here where the church has said the wrong thing for too long and then started believing it. People would say, you know, cute things. Uh, when I say cute things, it sounds cute, but it's not true. Uh, they say, oh, we're just all sinners saved by grace. Um, well, we were sinners, but now we are sons. So when people say we are sinners, uh, it's no longer true. Uh, it's a saying, that, and then you know, somebody says it, and everybody nods their head, but it's not true. All right? We try to deal with these things in our foundation classes to say, you're a son, You have been given authority. Um, God's given us dominion, all right? So uh, in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, It is true that through the sin of one man, that's Adam, through the sin of one man, death began to rule because of that one man. But how much greater is the result of what was done by the one man man? Jesus Christ, and all who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with Him will rule in life through Christ. We are called to rule in life through Christ, all right? And if you have received abundance of grace and of, as it says here, being put right with God or having received righteousness as a gift, he says, then we can rule in life through Christ. In another version here, in the uh, New Revised Standard Version, it says, exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You know, when we pray, and I want to touch on some of that very shortly in a bit more detail, or when we speak into situations, and when we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, then watch out, because that name is the highest name in the universe. And everybody and everything has to obey. And ultimately, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So in the Amplified translation, it says, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So let me talk about some of the spheres or spaces of authority an influence that we have as believers. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, but it hits some of the headlines. That's what we want to do. We're just breaking things open, and Pastor Vanessa is coming in next week, and then again, relay a foundation, then we will launch out from there. All right, so we will rule in life uh, through one uh, called Christ Jesus. So number one, and it said outline, we have authority to access heaven and to come before God's throne. And people say, oh, everybody knows that. Well, uh, (laughs) we are a privileged people. If you consider the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, there was only one man that was allowed to come into the presence of God inside the tabernacle, later on in the temple, and he was only allowed to come in once a year. Uh, And he was the high priest. And the privilege that we have where every single believer is able to come into the presence of God just like that is like, I mean, this is radical. This is like revolutionary all right, so let's not get too used to these things and become placé, uh, you know, with it as it were, because this is a total and an other privilege that every single believer has. Hebrews chapter four, verse fourteen, it says, "Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God," let us hold fast our confession. Verse sixteen, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. I said earlier on, you very soon find out where people are at in regards to understanding of what we are speaking about or not having that understanding, because you can hear it in their words. But especially when they pray, you will definitely know it. All right, when people get into all sorts of things and, you know, there's still a lot of begging going on, Uh, you know, God doesn't respond to begging, God responds to faith. All right, God wants to see faith. And as I sometimes say, we don't come groveling into the presence of God, nor do we come brashly, that would be the other end of the extreme. We come boldly into the throne of grace. We come from a position of faith in Jesus Christ. We don't come in our own righteousness because we have none. We come in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we come in that strong name that opens heaven for us. Uh, it opens to the, the presence of God for us. You see, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and when His blood was shed... The moment he gave up his ghost, so to speak, as the word says, the Bible says inside the temple, that veil that separated the presence of God from the people and the people from the presence of God, that veil was torn from top to bottom to signify that the way to the presence of God is now possible because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Wow, how powerful is that? So our ability... To come into the presence of God is entirely based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That he shed his blood for the remission of our sins. We come to the throne of grace, as we said earlier on, not through our own righteousness, but through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We come humbly, we come boldly. We don't come groveling and we don't come brashly didn't have the right attitude in this whole deal, and this understanding that we are discussing here today. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you're born again, my friend, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're no longer a sinner. You're no longer a slave. And, you know, we sometimes we, we teach a, a message called new creation realities. And These things need to be taught all over again. Again, these are all revelations that God has given to these wonderful men that, uh, that have taught us. Uh, and, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, some of the Word of Faith teachers and God released a revelation into the body of Christ that in some quarters and places was entirely rejected. And therefore, we got the struggles going on um, uh, that we got going on, and in fact, we had uh, one of uh, one of the Word of Faith ministers on radio on Radio Rima here in the early days, and somebody influential and in one of the funders said, "If that man stays on the radio, I will withdraw my funding." I won't mention his name because it doesn't matter. He's since gone to heaven anyway. Uh, But I say it's tragic, it's tragic uh, uh, when, you know, when a message is rejected, when a revelation, you see, progressively God has restored revelation to the body of Christ. When people have come through the, you know, the dark ages and with all of the mess that went on there and, and the preaching was done in a language that the people couldn't even understand. So nobody had faith hardly. It's like, because faith comes by hearing, you need to hear the word. And if you hear it in Latin, you don't speak Latin, it doesn't do you any good. That's why Jesus, the Bible, He tells us, you know, the, the uh, scholars who understand the difference between, you know, the, 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 the Greek and the common Greek, Jesus spoke the common Greek so that people were able to understand. And then people like John Wycliffe came along and translated the Bible into English, and Martin Luther came uh, and translated the Bible into German, and, uh, and Zwingli and some of these early reformers to put the Word of God into the hand of the common man and then and <laughs> and teach them to read and write so that they're able to get to the Word, to the truth themselves that has been hidden away. And then God began to restore truth, uh, and, and just the whole deal, uh, and... Uh, and we've still got a little ways to go. There's still much uh, much, much missing um, in the church world across, across the board. Matthew 26, verse 28, Jesus speaking, he says, This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. The Bible is, you know, divided up into the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And we are in the New Covenant, New Testament, just another word for it. But you see, not only were our sins forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and then when we, you know, became born again, but we were made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a powerful truth. At that moment, religious devils begin to fuss because religious devils don't care if you call yourself just a sinner saved by grace. But you say that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, that will always stir up devils. We've seen that over the years. It's like, you know, like religious devils. It's all of that, oh, you know, woe is me. I need to suffer some more and, and so forth. And that's what religious devils, they ravel in all of that. Uh, but when the people of God rise up and come boldly before the throne of grace, Pray powerful prayers. We begin to dominate world events. We begin to rule and reign in life, not just in our own life. And that's where it begins, by the way. (laughs) We rule in our own life first before we begin to rule and reign anywhere else. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. As we said earlier on, that veil that was torn in two, from top to bottom, to signify that this wasn't something that men had done, because then somebody would have come and torn it from the bottom upwards, but it was torn from the top down. God did that because of what the man, Jesus Christ, has done on the cross to pay the price and to remove that veil And like somebody said once, and I thought that was quite good, really. We've always just seen it as, okay, well, now the people of God can now go into the presence of God. But somebody said, oh, God wanted to get out. He said, let me get out of this horrible place. (laughs) I thought that was good. Anyway, having boldness to come or to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. See, so in the Old Testament, that was the old way, but we're now in, this is a new and living way by which he is consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And number two, we have authority to use the name of Jesus Christ. That is one powerful truth, one powerful um, um, privilege and a right that God, as it were, has given us the the power of attorney so that we can use the name of Jesus Christ. You know, power of attorney, in fact, let me just read this in, in, in your outline there. In law, this is called power of attorney, where one person has full legal rights and privileges to operate on behalf of another person as if they were that person. You know, while... Uh, my mother-in-law was still alive. Vanessa had uh, enduring power of attorney, so as Mum was getting a bit fra- frail and needed a little bit of help with, you know, with handling the finances and various other things. Vanessa was—it was legally drafted up that she has power of attorney, and sh- she was able to operate in her in her Mum's name to do everything as if Mum did it herself. You know, some uh, some time back, uh, I had to go. Uh, I went overseas for a while, and while I was away, there was some property transaction that was going on. And, uh, and, because we were talking to the lawyer, and I says, oh, I won't be here to sign the documents. Oh, he says, that's easy. He says, we just set up power of attorney, and I'll sign on your behalf. Um, and so that's what that means, uh, power of attorney. Um, we are authorized to use the name of Jesus Christ. And we are so, number one, in prayer. Here in John 16, verse 23... Jesus says in that day you will ask me nothing most assuredly I say to you whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you until now you've asked nothing in my name ask and you will receive that your joy may be full so we approach the presence of God we come before the throne of grace and we pray always in the name of Jesus Christ because that's what opens the door for us. And that's what, uh, that's what makes us accepted before God in his presence. We are, uh, the, the, you know, we are accepted in the beloved, the Bible says. We're not rejected. We're no longer strangers and foreigners, beggars or serfs. We are now sons, and we come to God in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. So right there, Jesus gave us power of attorney to use His name. It's absolutely powerful, um, and uh, and we're also mindful. And again, we'll get into those scriptures in time to come. But when Jesus appeared to His disciples after His resurrection, and He spoke to them and He gave them the great commission, Matthew 28. Verse 19, he appeared to his disciples and he says, all has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So when he says, all authority has been given to me, we got scriptures in the book of Daniel where Jesus was brought before the ancient of days. We looked at that some time back and he was given all the kingdoms of the world and all all angels and everything was put put under Jesus Christ because he's been given a name that is above every name. When he appeared to his disciples, he commissioned them as, as as his agents in the earth. All right? Jesus literally... Is in heaven right now. He's the head, but we're the body. And we're authorized to operate as if Jesus Christ were here himself because he's given us his name, power of attorney. So very, very powerful. I remember Kenneth Hagin speaking about some of these things that we're discussing here today. And uh, there was a book around, and I think it could have been uh, written by E.W. Kenyon, who was just a powerful minister uh, in his own writing. Kenneth Hagin used to say that he read, and, and that book was called The Name of Jesus, The Name of Jesus. Kenneth Hagin said he read that book every year to keep that revelation fresh, that when he prayed and when he spoke and when he declared in the name of Jesus Christ, things actually happened rather than parenting because somebody else uses the name and they got results and so forth. And so, as I said, there's something for us to get a hold of in a fresh way. So we are we authorized to use the name of Jesus Christ in prayer. Number two, in commanding situations and circumstances. In John 14, Jesus said to his disciples, there He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And, of course, there's the whole aspect of uh, when he goes to the Father, he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and we was going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're now able to use the name of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, in this instance here, this is not speaking about prayer. This is speaking about works, the works that you and I are called to do. And he goes on to say, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So power of attorney. But in in this instance, not to ask things off of the Father, but to deal with things directly, because we are, after all, the police force in the earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are the enforcers. Of the will of God in the earth, uh, we are called to preach the gospel, we are called to make disciples This is we're all authorized to do all of that, and of course, uh, uh, we are not sort of coming in as you know like you know we 're coming in with a with a with a servant attitude with a humble attitude, but in prayer, when you have somebody that understands these truths that we 're discussing, you get into a prayer mit- meeting with them, watch out as I said there 's power released in a tremendous way. We need the whole body of Christ to understand this truth so that the whole body is praying. We are praying as one rather than one crowd praying this and another crowd praying the other way. It's like body of Christ opposing itself. You know that COVID devil? Churches just bow down to this whole thing. It's a devil. All right? We come against that table early, (laughs) and did what we could to stem the type, But more than half the church world just bows down. What a tragedy! The word "ask" here, the Greek word is "aiteo," and when we look at dictionaries and lexicons, it tells us that that word actually means to demand. Now, we are demanding nothing from God, so don't misunderstand. But when you pray for somebody that's sick and you lay hands on them, you command that that sickness leave them in Jesus' name. That's what that's speaking about, the greater works that we are called to do. And when we pray and when we see stuff going on that's not of God in terms of politics and economics and medical field and various other fields, we speak into that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We tear down those lies, and it's all been based on a lie. The whole thing has been based on a lie. So again, this is not speaking of praying to God in the name of Jesus Christ, but it's using the name of Jesus to demand that situations and circumstances change. And for some of us have prayed. When we see something else, you know, a demonic structure crumble, we're not surprised because we've prayed. This is what we prayed. just sometimes taking a bit longer than what it should in our estimation. <laughs> okay. It's interesting. Uh, Strong's, when he speaks about that word, Strong's uh, scholar in his lexicon uh, regarding the word ask or I tell, it denotes a request of the will. So when somebody has a will, say, of their father who has passed away, and they hold a piece of uh, a document in their hand, they're able to bring that will into the right setting, and they, they can say, I've got a will here, and it says that all of this now that used to belong to my father all belongs to me now. That's kind of, you know, it's like a, 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 the, it, this word denotes a request of the will. And we have a will in the Bible. The old, uh, should I say, the New Testament, Testament, covenant, will, it's all the same thing. And we go before God and then we speak into situation. and We say, this is not what the word says, what's going on here. This is, and we pray into that. And we seek to change circumstances and situations, that there is a better outcome, not just for God's people, but for the whole population. It's like I was talking to the ministers last year sometime. and says, how did we get here? How did we let them do that? And then just, you know, a bit of silence. Uh, I didn't immediately have the answers, but we did what we could. <laughs> when the whole body of Christ rises up when God's people rise up and we just say no we just, sometimes we, just, we say no to that sometimes we just say no that's that's all we need to do out aloud we say no in the name of Jesus Christ we say no to this bill that is before the house we say no to these people ruling and reigning over us we say no to wicked leaders we say no we say no to the agenda of the you know, World Health Organization, we say no to the World Economic Forum. We say no. We, we're not having this. Right. No. And there are enough people now that are rising up. And people say, oh, you guys into conspiracy theories. I've got no time for you if that's where you stand. And say, it's like that's the most unintelligent saying ever. <laughs> you know, they, they tell us that it's actually the CIA, which is just a wicked outfit from beginning to end. They they figured out that they can intimidate people by when they talk about something that the CIA got up to in nations around the world, you know, toppling governments and creating wars and everything that they've done. And when somebody speaks about it, they say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, and people, oh, oh, I better not get into conspiracy theories, you know, it's just a, a silly way of intimidating people. I'm just not intimidated by that nonsense. All right, quickly now, quickly now. <laughs> Number three, we have authority over Satan and demon spirits. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Underline the words power and authority. All right? He gave them power and authority. Dynamis and exousia. One is the raw power of God and the other one is the authority. He says over all demons and to cure diseases we have authority over demon spirits we have authority over sickness and disease all right mark 16:17 and these signs will follow those who believe jesus says in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All right, so we got power and authority over over Satan and over demon spirits. Satan is already defeated, but he's still operating in the earth. Demon spirits are defeated, but they're still operating. It's just Jesus is waiting until they be made his footstool, until the church rises up and takes authority, not just over demons in their own, you know, you know family, so to speak, but in their community and over the whole nation. So we cast out demons again in the name of Jesus Christ. If you don't cast de- demons out in our name, our own name means nothing, uh, all right? But the name of Jesus Christ means everything. Luke 10, 18 uh, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You see, what we've seen going on with all the mandates, that's the power of the enemy to hassle people, to harass a whole population. But we've got authority over that if we understand that and we can pray into that. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, he says, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. All right? This is sp- uh, spoken but Jesus spoke to the 70 disciples. He first sent out 12. Then he sent out another 70 also. And when the 70 came back, they said, wow, Jesus, you know, like I'm just paraphrasing now. Wow, Jesus, we had a marvelous time. Even demon spirits are subject to us in your name. And he says, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't rejoice over that. But yes, that's true. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven, that your names are in the Lamb's book of life. Number four, we have authority to rule and reign in life. I want to wrap up very shortly. Uh, just to kind of wrap thing, round things off, if you like. Um, in revelation chapter 1 and the same truth is repeated in revelation chapter 5 it says it says Jesus Christ the faith, faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests here it is he made us kings and priests to our God and Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen you see jesus christ has made us all kings and priests once you're born again you're a king and you're a priest the whole area of kingship has to do with with exercising dominion in the earth it's ruling in the earth on the earth and as priests we're able to access the presence of god kings and priests and some people are really good in their priest priestly role but they're not so good in their kingly role and as I say we need to function in both of those areas there um, and uh, understand that God has vested authority in us as sons that authority is in Christ It's always reminding ourselves this is not us doing this he has done this he put us there he says all authority has been given to me you, go, you therefore go, you go you go. You now make disciples. You cast out demons. You, you use the name of Jesus Christ. You command uh, Satan to go. You, you command sickness and disease to leave people. You command situations and circumstances. And, and you make sure that things go well in, in your community and in, and in, your, uh, uh, in your nation. You, you, you command that. Just in wrapping up now, Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only. I like that word, those two words, above only. (laughs) Above only. (laughs) People say, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Under the circumstances. Don't say that. Don't, Don't use that saying anymore. It's above only. All right? He says, he'll make you the head and not the tail to be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded today, and are careful to observe them. Now, this is Old Testament truth. This is under the Old Covenant. God wanted people to be above under the Old Covenant. And you and I, as New Testament believers, we have a better covenant established on better promises. Everything that was included in terms of blessing under the old covenant was brought across into the new covenant and many more things added. God didn't take anything away. He only adds. So this is something that I pray quite a lot. Thank you, Lord, that you've made me the head and not the tail. <laughs> Anybody that knows, uh, you know, dogs, they're talking about the dog's got a head and, and, and uh, the dog's got a tail. Um, and when you see... The dog coming in through the door, he doesn't come in backwards with the tail first, he comes with the head first. <laughs> and then the last thing you see is the tail. <laughs> and and the tail does not wag the dog. The dog wags the tail. <laughs> so if you've been wagged in the last one, <laughs> don't let it happen anymore. You're the head. <laughs> You see, in Christ, we can rule and reign. We can rule over sin. In fact, in the context there that we can rule and reign in Christ, the context there is actually, you know, it says that we can rule over sin. Sin will no longer dominate us. We can rule over self. You know, the Bible says, and I'll wrap this up very shortly, that is... As beings, we are a three-part being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And when God created Adam and Eve, put them into the Garden of Eden, he wanted them to rule their lives out of their spirit. The spirit is what, what, uh, the part of us that connects with God. And then our body is supposed to be dominated by the spirit. And our soul is to be used, but don't allow the soul to dominate. Soul is, you know, the mind, the will, and the emotion. Some people are so headstrong, they're so headstrong in their soul that they can't get their head around spiritual things. It's with our spirit that we grasp spiritual truth. And what's happened is at the fall of man, when there was, you know, beings that God has placed into the Garden of Eden—spirit, soul, and body—at the fall of man, you know, they, 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 you know, they ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, uh, and, but you know, they, they didn't need that. They should have just ate from the tree of life, and they suddenly had knowledge that they didn't need. And when they fell and got disconnected from God that whole thing got flipped around, and now people are dominated out of their body. Their body tells them where to eat and what to eat and how often to eat. And their soul, their, oh, I feel so feeling, feeling, feeling. Rule your life out of your spirit, not out of your feelings. Oh, I feel offended. Uh. <laughs> so your friends is now dominating you, is it? I was just I was just thinking the other day with... Uh, But everything that's gone down in the last three years, I'm still annoyed. And the other day I asked myself, why am I still annoyed? And I suddenly realized I actually enjoy being annoyed over this whole thing. (laughs) I need to deal with that. (laughs) I will at some point. When When I've enjoyed it enough, I'll get over it. But I'm still annoyed that they locked us down. They shut businesses down. They took people's livelihoods away. They split families. They split communities. They split the nation. We should be a bit annoyed. We shouldn't let them do that. <laughs> so you rule over sin. You rule over self. And like somebody said once, you know, I, the big I, needs to learn to bend into a C. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. So we bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the whole concept of uh, Jesus speaking about wheat and tares. At a certain stage, when wheat is ready to be harvested, the wheat. I grew up on a farm, so you know when the wheat, when the the the, the, the wheat, uh, uh, the grain, it drops its head down. It's ready for harvesting. But the tares look very similar to the wheat, but the tares never drop anything down. They walk around you know, as it were stiff-necked and said, no, don't you tell me what to do. You know, I will not bow to no one and to nothing. You see, pride comes before a fall. Um, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And last scripture, James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, the, de- the devil will only flee when those who are submitted to God resist him. If people are not submitted to God, that scripture won't work for them. You see, our rulership in life is entirely dependent on our total submission to God and to his established authorities. His established authorities in terms of the realm of the spirit, you know, to, in the nation, in the, in, 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 in the, in the home, In in the local church, there's all authority structures everywhere. And uh, submission to God primarily means surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I trust you've done that already. And if you haven't done so, do it quickly, quickly. Jesus says you must be born again, otherwise you will not see the kingdom of heaven Ruling and reigning can only be done in Christ. It can't be done outside of Christ. I know that there's people dominating, doing all sorts of things, but to get a hold of your own self and to get into the right place in God where the blessings flow, where the peace flows, where healing, miracles, provision, where everything flows, that is in Christ. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.